Okay, so I hope now that you're there at Hebrews chapter 12, and the um, title of our time um, today in continuing with our series called On Guard, which has been a series dedicated to learning how to guard our minds and our hearts against a few things, and tonight we're going to be talking about bitterness from Hebrews chapter 12. Our message title is Five Signs You Might Struggle with Bitterness and How to Uproot It. Hebrews chapter 12, and talking about guarding our minds and guarding our hearts against bitterness. So Hebrews chapter 12, let's all stand for the reading of God's word. And start with me in verse 12. We're going to read from verse 12. To verse 17. And the writer says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, he says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root, everybody say root, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or, or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Let's pray. And Father God, before we go any further, we commit our time to you, and as you know, we're speaking about bitterness tonight, and maybe there are some of us in the room tonight who have been holding on to bitterness and don't even recognize it or realize it, but I pray that you would reveal that to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And would you soften our hearts? Would you open up our eyes, spiritually speaking? Open up our ears to hear from you, Lord, that we might receive what you have for us. Pray if anyone came tonight, maybe who doesn't know you, Lord, that you would soften their hearts, that they might come to know you and to turn from sin and to trust you. Um, anyone who's here tonight with something heavy on their heart, Lord, would you meet them where they are? May you, may you um, take upon yourself the burden which they bear. Lord, we look to you and we seek your face, recognizing that you are good and you are worthy to be praised, God. We love you. We praise you and we thank you for our Bible study tonight. Do the work that only you can do by your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Everyone knows what a bitter taste in your mouth tastes like. Uh, Black coffee. All right, I am not a coffee fan in general, but black coffee, just so bitter. All right, apple cider vinegar. All right, you know, every once in a while, taking a few shots of apple cider vinegar, it's a good thing. It's healthy for the immune system, but it's just this bitter taste, bitter taste. Um, Lime, lime is just so bitter. Um, Anything like 
uh, dark chocolate. All right, I love milk chocolate. Dark chocolate for me, just bitter. It's so bitter. All right, my wife Morgan, she loves Dove dark chocolate. I don't get it. Just it, to me, it just has this bitter taste. So I don't know what it might be for you, but. All of us in this room probably know what it's like to just put something bitter in your mouth. So I want you to kind of capture that. And bitterness, when you taste something bitter, it's this sharp, unpleasant taste. All right. And so what is bitterness uh, more so in our hearts or in our minds? Well, a quick definition, bitterness is unpleasant feelings. How a, something bitter in your mouth is just this unpleasant taste? Well, bitterness is an unpleasant feeling towards someone rooted in resentment. A holding on to negative feelings toward another person because of something that happened in the past. Does this describe you? Now through this series, our goal is not to apply what's being said to other people. Because listen, you will never be able to guard your own heart and guard your own mind if every time we talk about lust or every time we talk about fear or every time we talk about bitterness, you are thinking of something or someone else. Oh, this message is great for someone else, Pastor Austin. But listen, in, in an attempt to guard our own heart, in an attempt to guard our own minds, I want us to all just take inventory of our own hearts and say, how might this apply to me, Lord? Even though you might feel like you don't struggle with bitterness or with fear like our topic last week, the purpose of our Bible study is for all of us, me included, to take inventory of where we stand before the Lord in regards to tonight, specifically, bitterness. And then when we uh, have this self-focus, then the Lord can go to work on our hearts like a surgeon, whereas otherwise, He wouldn't be able to if our hearts and minds are on someone else. Oh, bitterness isn't for me, Pastor Austin. That's for my mom. That's for my dad. That's for my brother. That's for my friend. So let's take a moment just to take inventory of our own heart and say, Lord, is there any bitterness in my own life that I have not recognized or I do not see? So that's the goal of this series, to take inventory of ourselves. Now, if I asked you if bitterness is something you struggle with, some of us would say, you know, I don't think that I struggle with bitterness. And just being honest, I don't think that's something I struggle with. Um, You know, some of you might just... Maybe that puts a prick in your heart and you would say, yeah, I'm a bitter person. And you can immediately pinpoint the person or the event that happened that has kind of caused you to become bitter. But I would guess that many of us, if not most of us in this room, might not think immediately of bitterness as something that we struggle with. But the truth is, bitterness is something that many of us struggle with, but we have a hard time recognizing its existence in our lives. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer mentions the sin of bitterness within the context of running your race, the Christian life. Running this race called the Christian life, and he, he, he brings bitterness in to this conversation about running your race. And in verse 1 of chapter 12, we didn't read it, but I'll quote it here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares, and let us run with endurance... The race marked out for us. 
keeping our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So he talks about this race, that if you are a believer, you are in a race. It's called the Christian life. And then he gets to verse 12, and he basically says, listen, therefore, because you're running a race, listen, we don't have time to deal with certain things that can distract us. And he goes on to list a few things. And he basically says, listen, because you're a Christian, you're a believer, and you are running a race, we don't have time to deal with a few things. And he mentions them. He says, because you're running a race as a believer, we don't have time to fool around with sexual sin. We don't have time to fool around with godlessness. And we don't have time to fool around with bitterness. Now, I find it extremely interesting that he mentions bitterness within this context, though he could have mentioned a plethora of other bad things, right? All right, because we're running a race and we're focused on Jesus Christ and we're running this Christian life out, we don't have time to mess around with sexual sin. We don't have time to mess around with godliness. We don't have time to mess around with bitterness. That seems a bit odd. There's a plethora of other things I would have thought the writer would have mentioned here. So I want to read just a quick, quick, quickly with us again, verses 12 through 16. He says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Now, he's not talking physically, but he's speaking of this spiritual readiness. He says, we're running this race, so you need to get ready, get in shape, get your hands, get your knees, get ready, spiritually speaking, And then in verse 14, he says, so pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. So he speaks of being spiritually ready so that you can run out your Christian life. And he says, we don't have time to deal with a few things here, church. I got to be honest with you. As believers, we don't have time to fool around with being sexually immoral, sleeping around in your singleness. We don't have time to be um, ungodly. And we don't have time to allow this root of bitterness to come up in our lives. Why does he mention bitterness here? What the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate here is, listen, you're running this race, but this race is not a solo act. You are running with other people. So with other people in mind, you don't have time to hold bitterness toward your fellow runner. Because if you hold bitterness towards your fellow runner in this race called the Christian life, it will not hurt your fellow runner, but it will hurt you. It will affect and impact your race in the Christian life. Everybody tracking with me? Little pun, tracking, race, okay? Austin, you're hilarious. You're a genius. Okay, so he's talking about bitterness here. We don't have time in this race 
to be fooling around with bitterness and holding bitterness toward our fellow runners, amongst other things that he mentions here as well. But we don't have time to be bitter towards our fellow runners because it's not going to impact them as much as it impacts you. And so the writer refers to this root of bitterness, which if it springs up, it's going to cause trouble in your race. And this is the reason bitterness can often be so hard to recognize in our lives because like... um, when you, when you hold on to things, when, when you hold on to resentment, when you hold on to different feelings toward another person, maybe someone's offended you, maybe someone's hurt you in your past, maybe someone has done something to you, and you don't deal with those things in a healthy way, what do you do? You bury it down inside your heart like a root, and you hold on to it. And so the writer says, don't let this root of bitterness spring up, and That's why sometimes bitterness can be hard to recognize because it's deep down in our hearts like a root. It's buried so deep down there like a a root buried deep inside the ground that gives fruit to bitter fruit. He says, but sometimes when you don't deal with those feelings, someone's offended you or wronged you and you don't deal with it in a healthy manner, what do you do? You bury it. It's deep down with inside your heart like a root, and therefore it can be hard to recognize. So let me help us out a bit. If you're unsure if you hold bitterness in your heart or your mind towards someone, here are five signs you might struggle with bitterness. Five signs you might struggle with bitterness. Number one, you replay a conversation or experience over and over again in your head. Another sign you might struggle with bitterness. You can remember details of things that he or she said from weeks or months or years ago. Number three, you have strong negative emotional reactions to things that that person says or does around you. Number four, you are easily offended by this person. It doesn't take much for someone to do something that now it just offends you. And if it were someone else, that normally wouldn't offend you. But because it's this person, you're easily offended. It's a sign that you struggle with bitterness. Number five, you are keeping a list or a record of offenses. You're keeping track. Now, your bitterness may be in response to real pain and real hurt concerning an offense against you or something that happened or was done to you. I'm not saying that if you hold bitterness... That that pain or that hurt is not real. And that you just should get over it. But sometimes we believe the lie that bitterness is a way to remedy and heal the pain. Holding on to vengeful thoughts. Get them, God. Have you ever prayed one of those kind of prayers? Get them, Lord. You hold on to these vengeful thoughts towards that person or resentment builds up or anger towards that person builds up. But again, bitterness doesn't hurt that other person. And you feel like holding on to the bitterness is a, is a healing thing that somehow affects or impacts the other person who has offended you. And it doesn't. It doesn't hurt the other person, but it actually only hurts you. And what happens is we become enslaved to a mentality of victimhood. And we just always claim victimhood in a specific scenario. I'm the victim. I'm the victim of this story. And when the Bible talks about victimhood, 
it actually paints believers in light of the victor. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, we are more than conquerors because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. So we are not the victims, but we are victors in Christ. And the Bible says that when you come into fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, you're no longer the victim, but Jesus Christ became the victim on your behalf when he died on the cross for your sins. He was the victim of God's wrath and he took that upon himself so that via relationship with Jesus Christ, you could be set free and no longer you were the victim. You don't have to be the victim to bitterness. You don't have to be the victim to resentment. But you are victorious because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And the Bible says that Jesus came to set us free. We don't have to be captive any longer. Does anybody get this? You can be free tonight. You don't have to hold on to that bitterness. And bitterness, again, doesn't hurt the other person, but it only further enslaves you. There's a story in the book of Acts. When we were going through the book of Acts, we talked about this just for a brief moment. But Peter, he comes in contact with this man named Simon. He was called Simon the Sorcerer. And he tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter confronts Simon the sorcerer and he says, the power of the Holy Spirit is not something you, that, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is not something that can be bought. And Peter, by power of the Holy Spirit, he has discernment towards this guy named Simon. And he says, I can see that bitterness has crept in into your life and it has kept you captive. And that's what bitterness does. Bitterness keeps us captive. Bitterness enslaves us. It doesn't free us. It doesn't heal us. It doesn't heal the pain. It's not a remedy. It's not a solution. But it's Satan's way of keeping us captive so that we run this Christian race ineffectively. We also think if we let go of our bitterness that we let the other person win. And so you say, Pastor Austin, I can't let go of bitterness because if I let go of my bitterness, then I'm condoning what the other person did or I'm letting them off the hook. And that's not what's happening. Letting go of bitterness, rather, does not excuse what the other person may have done, but letting go of bitterness says, I will no longer allow that event or that person to have the victory in my life. I'm running this race. I don't have time to fool with this. I don't have time to grapple with this any longer. I don't have time to allow that event or to allow that person to have the victory in my life any longer. And so when you let go of bitterness, you're not condoning the act or the offense or the wrongdoing that happened. You're not letting that person win, but you're letting Christ have his way in your life and in your heart, setting you free. And saying, God, I'm not going to allow that event or that person to have the victory in my life, God. May you have the victory in my life. I'm going to let go and I'm going to let you take control. And it's going to be this very freeing thing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you let God deal with your pain and your hurt and the bitterness and the resentment, he frees you in ways that you thought bitterness could free you. But bitterness only captivates you, keeps you in that holding cell. And you say, God, by your Holy Spirit, set me free. And you're saying, by letting God into the picture and by letting the Holy Spirit do his freeing work, you are saying, I'm no, I'm no longer going to give that person or that event the victory in my life any longer. There's this story in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, where the Israelites, they're wandering through the wilderness. 
And this is after Moses freed them from their Egyptian slavery and they're wandering through the wilderness. And the Bible says that Moses and the Israelites, through their wandering, they had gone without water for three whole days. So can you put, their, uh, put yourself in their sandals? That's an, uh, that's an insane amount of time. Going without water for three whole days. These people are so thirsty. They are desperate. And the Bible says that they, uh, with Moses leading them, they come into this region called Mara. And there's uh, water in the region of Mara. And the people rush to these waters, but the people, people immediately notice that the waters are bitter to the taste. And they start to complain like the Israelites do all throughout the wilderness wandering. They complain to Moses. Moses, you led us into this region called Mara, and the waters are bitter. We can't drink these, uh, the waters because the Bible says that it made their stomach sour. So they begin to complain to Moses. Now, Mara in the Hebrew, it means bitterness because of the bitter waters there in that region. And the Bible says that when the Israelites complain that Moses cries out to the Lord and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God, he hears their cry and he's gracious and compassionate through their complaining, just as he is with us in our complaining. And the Bible says that God instructs Moses to take a branch, to throw it in the water and see what happens. So Moses obeys God. He takes a branch. He throws it into the waters and the waters turn from bitter water to fresh water so that the people can drink. And there in scripture, God says, I want you to know me as Yahweh Rapha from now on. Yahweh is the proper name of God. Rapha means to heal. And so God wanted to be known from then on as the God who heals. And metaphorically speaking, God tonight, he can take the bitter water of your heart. And he can do something fresh by his healing power. But you have to surrender that to the Lord. You have to surrender that pain to the Lord. You have to surrender that person to the Lord. And say, Lord, go to work on my heart. Turn the bitter waters of my heart into fresh water. Just like you did in Exodus 15. You are still known as the God who heals. And God can do that in your heart tonight. And so I want to just go through four quick points on how to uproot bitterness from your heart and from your mind. Number one, ask God to help you forgive the person who wronged you. Now, this is going to be difficult, but when you go to the Lord in prayer and you say, God, help me to forgive the person who wronged me, it will begin that healing process in your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Write that down if you're taking notes. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 Paul, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So what is the healing remedy to bitterness? It's forgiveness. And Paul, he mentions that. He says, you got to put bitterness away from you. And the way you do that is by asking God to help you forgive that person. Now, again, when you ask God to help you forgive that person, it's not saying that what was done to you, that offense, is right. But rather, it's saying, God, help me to forgive that person. In, uh, and in doing so, you will heal my own heart. Listen, this is extremely important. And I don't say this with harshness or 
um, with an abrasive tone. I say this because I want you to understand the true gospel. If you hold unforgiveness towards someone else, it means that you don't truly grasp just how much you have been forgiven in Christ. It's just, it's true. Because when you realize just how much God has forgiven you, you will better be able to forgive other people when they offend you. And so you have to go back to the gospel, go back to the cross, and remember just how much God in Christ has forgiven you. Of all the wrongdoing you've done toward him, of all the ways you've offended God, through your speech, through your actions, through your disobedience, through my disobedience, through my actions, through my sin. Say, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all the ways I have offended you. And through that new perspective, it will help you to forgive when other people wrong you. It's not saying that what they did was right. But it's saying that if God can forgive you of all your sin and it's covered under the blood, God can forgive that other person too. And you need God's help to forgive the other person as well. C.S. Lewis, he said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has first forgiven the inexcusable in you. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit to heal the bitter waters of your heart. We can't do this in our own strength, guys. We need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39, talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, and he's announcing this to Many people in the city of Jerusalem, he says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it goes on to say, but this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit can do a new, fresh work in your heart and in your life when you believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit can, can do this amazing, refreshing work in your heart and in your life when you commit yourself to trusting in Jesus. You say, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do a new work in my heart that out of me might flow, the Bible says, rivers of living water. And your relationship with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit can do that. But you have to believe on the name of Jesus, believing that God truly sent His Holy Spirit to you as you trusted on the name of Jesus, that He gives you His Holy Spirit to dwell within you, to give you a new heart, and to work on the things that don't honor and please Him, to give you a new fresh heart that out of it might flow rivers of living fresh water. But it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just ask Him, say, God, by your Holy Spirit, Replace the bitter waters of my heart with fresh water. Number three, look for ways to pray and serve the person who's offended you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 44, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Have you felt used in your past? Have you felt taken advantage of? The Bible says to pray for them. And just go to the Lord and pray for that person. And it it does an amazing thing when you hold bitterness towards someone, say, I can't stand that person. 
I hate that person for what they did to me. You pray for them. And the wonders that 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 does to your heart. And you pray for that person. You look for ways to serve them. And finally, number four, thank the Lord for all that he's done in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. In everything. Well, God, that verse was just for the good times, right? In the good, comfortable times, give thanks to the Lord. But Paul says, no, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all circumstances, the bad times too, the painful times too, the times where that person has offended me, yeah, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many of us are chasing after the will of God. Well, it's outlined right here, give thanks in all circumstances. Start with that and see what the Lord begins to do. An embittered person can tend to see all of the negative things in their life. When someone is bitter, that person has the tendency just to look for all of the negatives about their life. Everything's gone wrong here and there. Just become so cynical about life. And you look for all the negatives. But when you follow God's will for you, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and you give thanks in all circumstances, and you praise the Lord, and you thank the Lord for the blessings He's provided for you, that praise will give you a new perspective on life where you stop just seeing yourself as a victim, and you stop just seeing everything as negative, and everything is just cynical, and everything you just start to think of people in a spiteful way. But you turn that attitude of your heart towards praising the Lord and just giving thanks. The Lord does something new and awesome in your heart and in your life. And he graciously provides for us and he blesses us in so many ways. But if you continually just to think on the negative and you think just on the bitterness and the resentment towards someone and you just stop focusing on the many ways that God has blessed you and provided for you, you're doing a disservice to yourself. So follow 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and give thanks to the Lord. Because when you focus on God's provision and God's blessings in your life, it will help our minds to stay fixed on God's blessings rather than our own bitterness. There's this theologian who goes by the name of Morris, and he wrote this. He says, a bitter root is a root that bears bitter fruit. So it is possible for the rest of, for the seed of bitterness, so it's possible for the seed of bitterness to be sown in a person, and though nothing is immediately apparent, in due time the inevitable bitter fruit appears. So let not that be the case with us. And I just want to take a moment just to pray and just to invite the Lord into your situation. I don't know what note this may have touched on tonight with you. For me, honestly, as I was studying and I was in prayer and as I was getting this Bible study ready to go, the Lord revealed to me different things in my own life where I had been holding on to bitterness towards people that I just didn't even recognize in my own heart and in my own life. But when I just took time just to take inventory of my own heart, And I matched it up with scripture. The Lord began just to reveal to me by his Holy Spirit different events or different people that I've just kind of held a little bit of resentment towards or bitterness towards them. And just want to take a moment just to pray and and just ask the Lord, Lord, if there's any bitterness in my life 
that I don't recognize? Would you just uproot it right now? Because I'm running as a believer in this race and I don't have time to fool around with it. Maybe as I've been talking, maybe you could pinpoint the event. You could pinpoint that person that you've just held some bitterness towards. And just begin to pray for that person right now and pray that the Holy Spirit would heal your heart right now and help you to forgive that person. So I just want to take a moment um, just to pray. And right now, if you're just thinking of something or someone, just ask the Lord to help you, to help you uproot that bitterness right now. Let's just pray together. And then after we pray, we'll partake in communion together. God, you know the different situations in this room tonight. You know our unique individual hearts, God. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for myself the same thing, God. Would you begin to go to work right now by the power of your Holy Spirit? And would you begin to soften our hearts, Lord, towards that other person? Would you begin to heal our hearts and heal the pain of our past? Would you replace the bitter waters of our heart with fresh water? Helping us to let go of the bitterness and the pain and the resentment and freeing our hearts, Lord. Helping us to forgive the person who has offended us or hurt us or wronged us, Lord. So just pray right now, just quietly in your hearts to the Lord. Just give him your bitterness. Give him your pain. Give him your hurt. God loves you. Oh, and if you only knew how big his arms are, saying, come, come to me. I desire to hold you in my arms, to heal you and to heal your heart. Some of you um, in this room, you have bitterness towards your dad. Wasn't a good dad. Hurt you in some way. Hurt your family. Give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, heal my heart. Help me to forgive them. For some of you, it was a friend. A boyfriend, a girlfriend. Say, Lord, heal my heart. Help me to forgive. Pray for that person. Some it was a mom, didn't show the affection that you craved growing up. So Lord, help me to forgive and pray for that person. Say, Lord, heal my heart.
Father, all over this room tonight, you're beginning your work. You're beginning a new work in our hearts. You're beginning your healing work. And I pray that you would continue this healing process beyond tonight into tomorrow. Some of us might need to have conversations with people. Pray that you would just make that clear, that you would provide that opportunity. But Lord, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you pour into us your living fresh water, uprooting the bitterness that we've held on to, so that we might, as Hebrews 12 says, continue to run this race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We love you, God, and we look to you now, seeking your face always. In Jesus' name, amen.